Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. An Elio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Ed Rample. Ed is a Los Angeles-based film historian and critic. Ed is the author of the 2005 book, Progressive Hollywood, A People's Film History of the United States. He was also the co-organizer of the 70th anniversary commemoration of the Hollywood Blacklist in 2017. Let's hear what he has to say about the Hollywood 10. Hi, Ed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be with you. So we're excited to have you on the show to talk about the Hollywood 10. I'm hoping you can start off by setting the stage for us. It's the 1930s. The United States is in the midst of a depression. How is how is the Hollywood industry being affected? Well, like the rest of America, there was a lot of labor unrest in Hollywood during the 1930s. And that led, like the creation of the CIO, um, it also led in Hollywood to the creation of um, guilds. In other words, uh, screenwriters and other talents were unionized. And also, in terms of the uh, content of films, there were uh, independent Communist Party and other artists who tried to use the film medium in order to get ideas out uh, regarding the uh, situation that Americans were facing during the Great Depression. 
I see. And what were some of the key unions at the time? I know that you, you mentioned the, the Writers Guild. How are they reacting to the economics uh, that, and, and the unfair pay gaps, uh, per se, uh, created by the studios? The uh, Writers Guild's, um, what is now known as the Writers Guild of America, its first president uh, what became a card-carrying member of the Communist Party, John Howard Lawson, who later was one of the Hollywood Ten. And the communists and other leftists tried to uh, fight for the economic rights of the people in the various uh, segments of the uh, motion picture industry. And the, the, the Writers Guild was probably the single most important factor in terms of organized labor in Hollywood, in terms of trying to uh, have progressive standards in the industry, in terms of pay and working conditions, diversity, et cetera, but also in, in terms of trying to in inject content into films so that they wouldn't they would be more than mere mindless entertainment but would have a uh, consciousness and a conscience now in the 40s things are starting to he heat up and there's a lot of anti-communist sentiment how is this paranoia manifesting well th th that's a good question and uh during world war ii the studios actually went to a number of the, a number of the Communist Party uh, screenwriters, such as Dalton Trumbo and uh, Albert Maltz, et cetera, because, and, and John Howard Lawson, because they were the most politically aware and they understood what fascism was about. And they, the studios wanted them to uh, write and craft the morale boosters for World War II to let uh, the masses in America know, uh, as Frank Capra, who, by the way, was definitely not a communist, but as Frank Capra put it in his pseudo-documentary series, Why We Fight, the reasons for fighting fascism. Lawson had written, for example, Blockade, Hollywood's first major feature film about the Spanish Civil War, starring Henry Fonda. Although, um, interestingly enough, um, they never mentioned the word Spain once in the wow. entire film, <laughs> which shows uh, the censorship. But but Lawson understood uh, the struggle against fascism, so uh, he made in the '40s a number of morale boosters. Two of them starring uh, Humphrey Bogart, and one of them Sahara starring Bogey, uh, also had a very important black character, a very dignified African soldier fighting the Nazis, portrayed by Rex Ingram. So the Communist Party talents really understood uh, the dangers of fascism, what the struggle was about. And of course, they wanted, once Stalin started fighting against the Nazis again after the idiotic uh, Hitler-Stalin non-aggression treaty. Uh, once the Soviet Union was invaded by the Nazis, the Communist Party uh, screenwriters 
saw the medium as a way to help defend the USSR against the Nazis. Now, I I, I do want to add that not all of the anti-fascist and progressive filmmakers were members of the Communist Party. The greatest single anti-fascist movie of the period, and, and maybe of all time, was Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, which was made in uh, 1940. And mm. this was at a time when uh, Stalin was still al- aligned um, in, a, in a non-aggression pact with uh, Hitler. And when Europe, except for Charlie's um, native um, England, most of Europe was already overrun by the Nazi hordes. Mm. And Charlie Chaplin made this wonderful film wherein uh, he played two characters, uh, one of them being uh, Adenoid Hinkle, who is the great dictator, Adenoid Hinkle being um, Adolf Hitler, and uh, who Charlie complained uh, Hitler had stolen his mustache. And the other character Chaplin played was the Jewish barber. And at the end of the film, um, the uh, Chaplin uses one of the oldest tropes in the history of the theater and later of movies and and opera, et cetera, the mistaken identity. And he's mistaken at a Nuremberg-style type Nazi rally for being Adenoid Hinkle or Hitler. And he has to make a speech to the assembled masses. And in that speech, Chaplin makes what I would argue is the greatest English language political speech in the entire history of the cinema, where he calls upon the masses um, to unite and fight for democracy. Wow. So uh, there were um, progressive artists in Hollywood on the left, whether in or out of the Communist Party, and Chaplin was never at any time that uh, I've researched and, and I know several members of the Chaplin family. Charlie was was never, ever a member of the Communist Party USA, which uh, if he was, um, he had a legal and constitutional right to be, as did the others. But he mm-hmm. was not. So, so you had a number of these um, progressive artists who spoke out during World War II uh, against fascism and in favor of our ally at the time, which was the Soviet Union. People um, need to remember that uh, Stalin was one of the big three, along with Churchill and FDR, and Moscow was on the same side as Washington after the uh, Nazis invaded, uh, I guess it was in 40 or 41 in in, uh, Russia. So once the Cold War started in 1947, the powers that be had to crack down on the progressive talents in um, Hollywood. And that set the stage, the Cold War set the stage for the purges in Hollywood that began on or about October 27th, 1947, when John Howard Lawson was the very first of what became known as the Hollywood 10 to testify before the House Un-American Activities Committee. Now, could you give us a little backstory on who the Hollywood Ten were and uh, why they were particularly chosen to speak in these uh, hearings? Good question. I I think that it's true 
that all or most of the Hollywood 10 were at one time or another, if not still in 1947, had joined the Communist Party USA, which was viewed as being um, one of the most militant, if not the most uh, militant, organized political parties fighting uh, against the capitalist system during the Depression. And most of them were screenwriters. You know, as a writer, <laughs> I tend to agree with the, the idea that as general rule, the people who create the story are injecting the most consciousness into a film. Uh, most of the Hollywood 10 were writers, and they included Dalton Trumbo and uh, Lawson, who I mentioned, who did a number of World War II morale boosters, at least three. And there was a among uh, the Hollywood 10, there was uh, one director and, and there was a producer, but most of them were screenwriters. And what what was the FBI's involvement in these investigations and what kind of findings did they come up with? The FBI was led by uh, J. Edgar Hoover and there was a lot of uh, surveillance. Um, Hoover uh, appeared before the House on American Activities Committee and uh, delivered uh, a very um, vicious anti-communist rant. And Hoover's roots went back to the first Red Scare around 1919 or so, uh, at the time of World War One or the end of World War One, and and out of that grew what became the FBI. And they uh, infiltrated the uh, Communist Party, which was a legal organization, and spied on different members. And they would tap phones. They would tail people. They would do things like later in the 50s when uh, somebody who was making, let's say, in 1951, $1,500 a week, like uh, Bobby Lee's, the screenwriter of communist propaganda films like uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. After uh, people like Bobby Lee's were thrown out of their high paying jobs in Hollywood, when they would finally find some kind of meager employment as like a storekeeper or something like that, a much lower status, much lower paying job. But but of course, they still had to um, support their families and pay the bills The the FBI would uh, show up and uh, tell their bosses that they were employing communists. And then they would lose those jobs, too, sometimes. So the, the FBI was uh, very vicious during this entire period. Now, what happens to the 10 after they're subpoenaed? That's a really good question. Uh, what happened is that all members of the 10, uh, there were two uh, directors in the 10, uh, I should say. And uh, Edward Dimitrik was uh, one of them. And all members, including Dimitrik, who later reneged and recanted, but that's another story. But at the time, in 1947, Dimitrik and all the other members of the Hollywood 10 stood on their First Amendment rights and refused to answer questions. Now, now the, uh, uh, the, the $64,000 question that HUAC would ask was, are you now? Or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? 
And they all refuse to answer that. They all refuse to answer questions about their union and other political affiliations. And also, very importantly, they all refuse to become informers. Not only did they, did they refuse to inform on themselves, but they wouldn't inform on their colleagues and friends, which was part of the function of the committee was to force well-paid people, sometimes famous uh, people, uh, great actors like John Garfield, to try and force them uh, to inform on others, which, by the way, Garfield refused to do. And by picking well-paid, sometimes famous, somewhat powerful people in the public eye and forcing them to inf become informers, it showed the American working class and the masses in general that if these prominent people could be broken and forced to become finks, anybody can be. So the, the, the Hollywood tents were um, kind of naive because they thought in America, well, uh, the First Amendment will defend us in the land of the free. But they were all slapped with contempt of Congress citations. And they lost their court cases. Then when um, there was changeover, interestingly, in the, the Supreme Court, some liberals died. Um, they lost, they didn't win in the Supreme Court either. And they ended up actually going to jail for up to a year and paying uh, monetary fines mm -hmm. for contempt of Congress. And, and by the way, Dalton Trumbo wittily later said, well, they were right. I did hold Congress in contempt. Mm. So how does Hollywood change in the aftermath of these proceedings? Well, it lasted a long time and uh, it lasted at least until 1960 when Dalton Trumbo helped to break the blacklist by having his name actually appear on screen when he got screen credit for Exodus and for Spartacus in 1960. But one could say that the blacklist had a long-term residual effects. In a sense, to use a modern analogy, it was like long COVID. Because mm. many of the talents um, were never able to pick up their careers again. They, they were out of the business for a long time. And uh, they lost their agents and uh, their, a lot of their contacts. And uh, so a majority of them, and now there were about 300 people in Hollywood who were blacklisted, by the way. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of people. Now, um, there was a great movie called Trumbo, and um, Dalton was able to pick up the pieces again. Uh, he had continued working throughout the blacklist as that movie starring Brian Cranston shows. But he, but he wrote using pseudonyms and using fronts, not his real name, until Spartacus and Exodus in 1960. But a lot of the other talents were never able to pick up the pieces again. And I, I think that uh, it, it took until sort of like the late 60s until Hollywood uh, started making progressive films again as a trend. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't mean here and there, but I mean as a trend. Some of the blacklisted screenwriters uh, came back, like Abraham Polanski made a great movie about Native Americans, tell them Willie Boy was here. 
and Trumbo made uh, a number of films like Papillon and Hawaii with Julie Andrews, and he and he wrote um, Johnny Got His Gun, which was based on his um, earlier novel. What what happened was that uh, mass protest in most films, the the progressive trend in Hollywood was sidelined for about two decades. And one, one could say that not only did this affect Hollywood, but it affected American culture as well. Mm. Now, what role, if any, did the Hollywood press at the time play in perpetuating this blacklist? Well, you had really vicious uh, gossip columnists, mm. as is depicted in Trumbo, uh, you have uh, really vicious uh, gossip columnists who were part of the purge, part of the persecution, and the um, uh, Variety and Hollywood Reporter covered what was happening. But I, I have to admit, uh, I, I'm not an expert on how those two publications uh, covered uh, how the how the trade press covered. Um, what happened, although uh, I, I believe that they were not protesting, the trade publications were not protesting the persecution. Right. So have there been reparations since the blacklist? How how are the Hollywood 10 and, and those who were blacklisted during the time period uh, viewed now? You know, that's that's like a really good question. And there has been a restoration of credits Dalton Trumbo, uh, one of his films, The Brave One, actually won the Academy Award in, in a screenwriting category. And nobody came up from the audience to claim that coveted golden statuette um, mm -hmm. because the name of the screenwriter was kind of, was basically fictitious. And it was really Dalton Trumbo writing under a pseudonym. And so uh, Trumbo and others got screen credits, including, uh, as, as did, for example, Michael Wilson, who co-wrote movies like Lawrence of Arabia. A, a, a lot of the blacklisties did get, uh, belatedly, they, they got their credits. When those films had won Oscars, they, they did get credited uh, as, uh, as winning um, Oscars. What I would like to see is I would like to see a special Oscar given out to all of the blacklisted Hollywood talents, the Hollywood 10 and the other 290 or so who are blacklisted. I, I, I would like to see a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame acknowledging the Hollywood 10 and the rest of the hundreds who are blacklisted. I, I think that that question of reparations is, is, is a really good one. And how do you repair the harm done to people for persecuting them, for taking their most uh, conscientious stands and positions in, in their youth? How, how do you compensate them for uh, dragging them and through the mud, through being um, surveilled by the FBI, tailed by the FBI. And uh, I, it's an ongoing uh, process. And, you know, 
Um, can I tell you about some of the upcoming events that are going to be commemorating the 75th anniversary of this of the Hollywood 10? Yes, we have a little bit of time. Okay, so the new Academy Museum in LA, the movie museum, is tentatively scheduled to present April 13th through April 30th, a uh, program, uh, The Hollywood 10 at 75. Every single film will be either about the blacklistees or it will be um, film uh, written and or directed and or starring blacklisted talents. There will be panels and introducers of films. I'm tentatively supposed to be one of the speakers. On on March 12th, which I believe is the day of the Academy Awards, the uh, Hollywood Heritage Museum is going to have a, a program, Legacy of the Hollywood Blacklist, a film narrated by Burt Lancaster and uh, directed by Judy Chaikin. And there will be a panel with uh, children of the blacklistees. And and last October, uh-huh. this already happened, but Turner Classic Movies for about three weeks had an ongoing uh, series about films on the Hollywood blacklist. So there are a number of commemorations that remind people about the horrors of censorship and uh, political persecution because of people um, trying to freely express their ideas in the land of the free. Now, Ed, uh, we'd like to ask all of our guest experts this question. Finally, at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that that you think is to blame for the Hollywood 10 and, and what they endured. Who or what would that be? Well, I would have to say the capitalist system. They don't ah. like be, they don't like being criticized. They don't like being <laughs> they don't like being mocked and exposed uh, on, on film. And uh, their handmaidens in the Hollywood studios and in the FBI and in Congress um, stirred up the the uh, Cold War abroad and brought that war home against dissidents and dissenters here in America. They forced people, beloved popular people like Charlie Chaplin to have to flee America uh, and go abroad. And uh, so I would say the overall capitalist system. Ed, thank you so much for helping us understand um, this very uh, sad and uh, relevant tragedy. Um, it is sad. It, it remains very uh, relevant uh, when conservative cancel culture ran amok in America. But we must never forget that there were people who were defiant, who stood up with dignity and integrity and resisted uh, against this censorship. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker, Chris Smith. Hi. So Ed ended up sending our capitalistic tendencies, society. I forget how Mm -hmm. the the system, the capitalist system. The capitalistic system, Mm -hmm. yes. But she just said does not like being criticized or mocked. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) And it's interesting because we did talk about this and... um, we were circling around this, but he put it so uh, well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is very all-encompassing. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not just trying to blame capitalism on everything, but it feels like this one, it was, it like felt like shamed or something. <laughs> like mm-hmm. It was having a the tantrum, cl- our capitalistic claw- system. Well, the claws came yeah. out. Don't poke that yeah. bear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The capitalist c- claws, the cat claws of capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, even before that, uh, he, he gave us so many examples of people in the industry like Charlie Chaplin, who mm-hmm. were, you know, perhaps, you know, they, they, they were doing anti-fascist mm-hmm. work and then got put into this group of uh, communists and right. you know, he, like he was saying, they, they, he had to flee the country and uh, you know, the, the way Ed described how unfair this treatment was of, of these writers and artists at the time mm-hmm. for being ostracized, you know, just because they were expressing their beliefs 
is is right. very um I mean it's it's very sad in in a lot of ways because how do you how do you regain that? How do you get that back like Ed was talking about? Yeah, it sounds just like a scary um situation to be caught up in like, you know, I can't help but think about the crucible which we talked about just like it seems like there's so much hysteria, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like so easy to get caught up into it uh unknowingly or just simply by association and suddenly you are labeled, you know, a communist mm-hmm. and that's it you're kind of just done it's like you're that's it yeah that's who you are now yeah just someone points a finger and says i think i like you're a communist um i was intrigued by uh edwin he was saying that uh you know kind of part of the function of the committee was to really try and force these really big famous you know, successful Hollywood writers, mm-hmm. talent to um, out their others as a way of showcasing to the working man. Like, see, like if these big guys can be broken, then like anyone can. So you better watch out because like that's what the communists are going to do. It's like, so it's like the fear, the fear tactic yeah. of all of that, the fear mongering is so powerful. That's interesting. Totally. And yeah, going back to, you know, when it was like, when the government wanted support for the war and they wanted to drum up enthusiasm, they turned to Hollywood, of course. And mm. then, you know, when they, they, these Hollywood. Yeah. They need someone to blame. Right. <laughs> in a way it was like yeah. a double-edged sword. Oh, right. Of, right back to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, you just asked us to help you out <laughs> over here. Um, <laughs> now you're coming after us and sort of unfairly painting us in this light. If we don't, do everything you ask for. So it feels like Hollywood was caught in a little bit of a no win situation. Right. Mm. It's like the worst. It's like the, um, this is a bad analogy, but it's like, you know, the producers coming in or like the, like the corporate, the corporation coming in with like the worst notes that they just don't get it. And they're just like <laughs> messing with and the town's like, Oh my God, yeah, this is not how right. it works. Don't do that. Yeah. We could have bit, we could have put like Washington DC's bad notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't make us write it and then blame us for what you had us write. Right. <laughs> now, what did we end up sending to the alarmist jail, Clayton? And what did we end up slapping? Because I know there was a big row of slaps. We were heavy with the slaps, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we threw Huac, Huac, the, um, the House Un-American Committee of, Committee. Uh, of Un-American Activities. H-U-A-C, yes, yes. Yeah. HOAC was thrown in jail and we gave a big line of slaps to fear of losing the American idea, Senator McCarthy and the studio system. We're all slapped. Fear. So you could kind of, I guess, roll the American idea and Senator McCarthy and the studio system all into the big C. The big capitalism C. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You could. I mean, you could do that. Just give it one big slap. Although it's been slapped and thrown in jail already. So do we want to do it? Do we want to do it again? Yeah. I feel like I, I just I, I do like the way that Ed explained it. Mm-hmm. And if you know, while it, it, it feels like capitalism can be broad or all encompass all encompass all encompassing. 
Encompass. <laughs> All encompassing. Yes. Um, I, 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 there, it just felt right. It sat right with me. I mean, sure. I, I, I like the specificity and of of all of the players that we ended up slapping and uh, mm-hmm. throwing into the alarmist jail. So maybe we send the capitalistic system to the alarmist jail and we just include the HUAC with into the slaps. So this is a four slapperoo suddenly. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll call it. The capitalist system, you're going to the alarmist jail. The HUAC, Senator McCarthy, fear of losing the American idea, the studio system, you're all getting the big slap. Okay, that, I mean, that that felt great. It was great talking to Ed. Now, we don't usually, uh, you know, we always have our guests come in and uh, promote some of the stuff they're working on, but we... It's not often that we promote our own stuff. And Chris, you have a big show coming up. I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about it. Yes. Well, um, as a lot of you know, you know me as the fact checker, and mm-hmm. that is probably my most important and highest paying job that I do have. <laughs> biggest role of your life. It's the biggest role of my life. Um, <laughs> but however, I'm also an actor. Mm. And, um, and I wrote a one-man show. Wow. It's, um, it's, you just, you were impressed by yourself. Well, I thought, I I thought if I said, I thought if I said, wow, you guys would be like, oh, wow, cool. Oh, 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 (laughs) you're prompting us. You guys didn't, uh, oh, wow, Clayton, come on. Ooh, la la. (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. Okay. It's called acting for a time such as this. Mm. And it's basically, Things are so terrible right now. Should I keep being an actor? That's mm. the question that I ask. And then I ask basically what is acting? And then I also ask if I shouldn't be an actor, what should I be? Mm. A doctor? Mm. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He got choked up. <laughs> got that. <laughs> yeah. Most most actors who are contemplating leaving the profession are usually contemplating going right into med school. <laughs> so it's gonna be a great relatable show i can already tell (laughs) so so yeah acting for a time such as this i'm doing it at the groundlings in los angeles you can go to the groundlings website and find tickets there it's uh, february 7th which is sold out oh i'm sorry february 4th which is sold out and also february 18th which isn't sold out yet okay well that's that's exciting we'll have to follow your poll you know i'm sure you'll be putting polls out asking people if they Mm -hmm. think you should continue Right, uh, being well, an actor, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll be following to see what's up because you might have a lot of time in your hand on your hands. Right, if I end up not acting <laughs> anymore, then you know I might end up having a lot more time to do fact checking, so mm-hmm. it could improve the show in a, in a sense. Right, that'll be interesting. Now, stay tuned because <laughs> next week we're going to be discussing the 1776 Great Fire of New York. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.